love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smell! You know that gasoline smell! It smells like... Victory. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a... Thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, that's my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So, that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Mr. Greg Pappas in the studio with us, and we have Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Our usual Monday lineup, our usual solid Monday lineup. SP Futures up 13, NASDAQ Futures up 1. Greg is trying to buy long, uh, orange juice futures over there furiously on the phone. Uh, not exactly, Greg, but uh, they still do trade, right? 194.7. Probably would be better if Matt turned your mic on. Well, maybe he doesn't want to turn you on. I don't know. So. He's on. I'm not one ninety four seven. There you go. Now yeah, I can hear you. That's, there the, we go. Uh, that's the way, man. Richard J. Daly is at the people Alderman right here. Just turn our mic off. <laughs> and, uh, that's how you get him. That's how you get him. All of a sudden, the guy's talking and nobody can hear him. You know, it's just one of those things. They're hard to trade. How much? Uh, let's see. One ninety four seventy. I think is the quote. We're up a couple percentage points. So not not huge. Not huge. Uh, we were down pretty heavy last night in the market. Uh, well, not heavy today's terms is we're down five hundred points a day, but we were down, and now we're actually up a little bit. Uh, Big news uh, overnight. Of course, there's all kinds of big news, but uh, is Credit Suisse is uh, down 10% this morning, and they're worried about the uh, their credit default swaps. Um, Questions of solvency at Credit Suisse. Well, when you start taking, when you insure people like at a, on a, uh, I don't know, like a country going under or something like that, how, how does a bank ever insure a country? I don't, I don't get that. I mean, it just if you can, if you can fake a spreadsheet. They'll definitely be into pricing your fake spreadsheet. Oh yeah, and uh, I remember he didn't get any. He didn't get a second derivative. And this is gonna be this is gonna sound awful, but I don't know if it's because he had retired, or if he was African American, or what the story was. But the guy who was the head of uh, one of the big firms that was Merrill Lynch, Lynch. Stan O'Neill. Yeah, when he left after the 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 fiasco in two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. See, I guess I'll explain this a little bit, Uh, Greg. It's if you have, uh, I'm not, I'm not into all that much regulation, as you know, but um, somebody has a an account here at, at PTI, uh, and of course we don't trade against our customers at all. A lot of people do, and a lot of people don't seem to have a problem with their well, firm. Well, you know, that's yeah. that's essential to their business. They need to uh, yeah. take on the risk in order to offer better rates for their customers. Greg, this is a great <laughs> buy for you. By the way, who's selling it to you? Well, I am. Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll go along with that one, well, but uh, I had to do it. I had to do it uh, before so I could offer you this good price. Yeah, yeah. I had to screw the first guy first. I already have having it. And anyway, uh, <coughs> the difference kind of is is when you saw those people making allegedly all this money. If if you buy a uh, thousand shares of IBM, even even if PTI sold it to you, which we never would, um, if, if somebody sold it to you, we don't price it. Neither do you. The price is being done by DTC or by the close on the 
a New York Stock Exchange or whatever the hell the thing, or the NASDAQ or whatever. So there's an independent pricing model. So I can't, even if we did sell it to you at, at 150 and say you bought it from us at 150 I can't say it's really worth 100 I just made 50 bucks because the thing's trading 150 right, Greg? I mean, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it's that. But with, the, with these other things, if I sell you a, a credit default swap, which is essentially a, an insurance policy on, say, uh, if I go buy a bond from Italy or something, I'll buy a credit default swap that Italy won't go under. And I, uh, but now I just sold it to you for a hundred grand, and my model says that I should have sold it to you for fifty grand. In other words, my model says I just bas- basically screwed you out of fifty. But that's, you know, that's that's the game. Right. Well, but the problem is that they were taking that to profit, and they were giving like the the chairman a bonus based on that profit. And I bet you he still got most of that profit I, in his I, uh, stock I, I bet he does. And uh, <laughs> so I mean, it's a whole different game. These guys were taking profits based on something they never even earned. Isn't that the Goldman Sachs uh, strategy? Well, yeah. Where you buy it all, and then then you tell everybody else, or you sell it all, and then you tell everybody yeah. else. For example, I think a week and a half ago when they said, "Oh, you know, we see some trouble in the market now." Yeah. Twenty <laughs> percent later. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's all you know. The interesting part is, and of course, the regulators won't quite anything like that because those are those are entrenched businesses. You're not going to go after those guys. You're going to go after you know somebody who's and they pay former Fed officials yeah. for speeches. Yep. But, but I mean, you're not. Presidential. You, you might you might find them once in a while for <laughs> talking to clients on their cell phone, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But uh, anyway, but that's so. But I, I credit the false swap essentially is an insurance policy on somebody else that you don't control. So these guys now I have to believe what. It, and the weird part of it is, Greg. I mean, I, I'm more of a theorist. I mean, I think you are too. Beneath beneath this way beneath the skin, if if the risk free rate is say 6%. I mean, you know, I'm just making these numbers up. And I sell a band or buy a band from Italy, say, or Crete or some damn place, uh, and, it, and the rate's 12%. You know, John Corzine was right uh, on that. those Greek bonds that were 11% eventually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 11%. You just well, put it on the company balance sheet and see what happens. Well, yeah. I mean, you, they, they go the wrong way, but then they come back. And uh, I can tell you a story about that. Uh, Involved a, a, actually a very famous man named Steve Fawcett, but I won't. Uh, but I'm saying, if now explain to me why, if the market is saying that the Italian bonds are seven percent, essentially more risky than the than the uh, a, a, you know like a U.S. bond or a, a risk-free bond, I'll say. Why would the credit default swap be any less than seven percent? How do you make any money? I sh- you should. You would think the currency risk, as well as the uh, the growth, I don't know if it would be co- the growth potential, would equal out. But but why would the? I guess what I'm saying, why would the bank sell you that cheaper than the market's pricing it? Or why would you pay over? I mean, it, it's I never understood the pricing of stuff. Right, because like stocks, there's a huge emotional <laughs> uh, component to the pricing. In theory, you would be able to uh, make your asset return, your total return, similar yeah. throughout the what capital appreciation as well as the uh, return. So, if your currency shifts, if your stock goes up, that in theory should make up the three percent difference or right. whatever you're talking about for the the difference in the say 
I don't know. Uh, well, if I buy Italian bonds over a twenty-year period, to say I put ninety bazillion dollars in there, my, my interest difference over the thirty-year period, or say ten years, make more sense. But the ten-year period is going to be two million bucks. Why, why would a bank sell me insurance for a half a million bucks when the market's telling me it ought to be two million bucks? Well, the market they're pricing that growth and either book value to go I mean yeah that's what it's saying it's we think it's in, in essence a lower interest rate should mean it's safer right well no yeah, well, yeah what I'm saying is so these places will have a higher interest rate so what, what people are doing is they're buying the, the Italian bonds and they're turning around and buying insurance on the bonds from a bank or, or, or an insurance company that's, that's what so the, the credit default swap is right so when you pay for when you pay for the credit default swap, you're insuring yourself, right, or your portfolio against the default of Italy, right, or someplace, which is bizarre to me. I mean, who the hell can, who can how do you insure somebody other that? I, you know, I, the whole thing never never made any sense to me. I just, yeah, I, I guess it makes some pricing, sense. Pricing pricing a company versus a country is, I, I think, a lot of people would have huge problems with that. But just in terms of returns or safety, in general, you'd think that the higher interest rate would reflect a, <laughs> well, who a, a are risk guys, premium. Who were the guys back in 2008? Uh, they ended up going into a bank, Wells Fargo? The guy always came on TV with the incredibly dark tan and in the, in the white collar blue shirt. What was his name? Dick Fold. No, no, worse than him. Worse yeah. than him? Yeah. Uh-oh. But he, he was in one of these, uh, is it AIG? Oh, no. Was AIG. <laughs> no, so they, they, they ended up selling... Like forty percent of all the mortgage insurance in the state of California, or something. How the hell does anybody, any firm big enough to, to, if you have a big problem like we did, how's anybody big enough to pay that off? Well, they didn't have at first the, the transactions weren't lit transactions. They were all opaque, and the markets weren't happening on exchanges like, like we have here. But everybody, every, but everybody who bought a mortgage had to buy the mortgage insurance, so that had to be tallied up someplace. That's tallied in the profits and losses of the companies that are OTC trading these mortgages. So if you're collecting all all that premium and you're what's it called? Well, but what Fannie and Freddie this is, this is what's so screwed up. Every time I look at one of these things, it seems to me the government has a bleep up there somewhere. And Fannie and Freddie are essentially... Well, their estimates of default rates were like 4% and the real default rate was like what? 20 well, more than that. It was way yeah. more than four, yeah. But right. So their spreadsheet and on a self-regulated type deal, and they can do what they want with impunity for OTC. So they just had leverage that nobody saw and nobody cared to. Uh, it, it was tougher for the market to see because these profits and losses were entirely based on probably you know one department spreadsheet yeah. with with a guy just pressing the up and down key on a keyboard for their risk going from you know default rate three percent to four percent to five percent when really the default rate like people like uh mike burry were saying the default rate is going to be 20 percent or more but if, if you and i somehow got on the board of fannie and freddie which of course they'd never put us because we might ask the wrong question and that's how those prices though yeah the cds the cds prices were pricing you know whoa it's only a one percent or two percent uh, chance of them failing ever and those guys were buying those 
credit default swaps on that company for pennies. Right. Like what? One or two cents. And then all of a sudden, one day they're worth a couple dollars because the market was so wrong in pricing. Because, again, it wasn't transparent. But, but just in, in simple terms, when it, uh, the mortgage interest or mortgage insurance does, like, well, from what I understand, I'm not, you know, this is more of a Nancy question and Audrey's on today, not Nancy, but uh, if, if, if you walk in with 5% down, they're going to make you buy mortgage insurance essentially on the other 20, 15% you're not putting down, correct? Uh, they they make you buy more than that. I want to say. Well, it's probably more, maybe more than that. But then initially, it, it people who had to buy mortgage insurance had to buy it because they came in with less than twenty percent. Oh, definitely. That was the original idea. Right. So if you and I are sitting there eating our tuna fish sandwich or whatever else at the at the board meeting, and Fannie and Freddie, and all of a sudden we see all these statistics that all these mortgages are coming in at three percent, five percent, ten percent. One of us is liable to ask, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> Who's selling all the mortgage insurance? Like, who the hell are they? Yeah, and a few people in the crowd asked that question, but most people didn't. Um, One way to think about it, I would uh, say, is if you're selling insurance on people, say, you know, every every person's going to die, every company's going to die, whatever. Um, How old are they, and does that affect the premium? Um, These banks were selling credit default swaps or, say, insurance on these companies, pricing them at like say 25 years old when really they were 95 years old yeah like the well the then internal they, organs but, but of according that to their model they were making money and they were and they were taking a bonus right which is, which is priceless so you can you can have that insurance selling for the 25 year old you know that thinking that they're gonna live that much and earn this much but when really their insides are 95 years old and they're yeah. and they're barely scraping by by taking all this premium in from questionable sources and it's hidden to everybody so you can't even take an x-ray or you can't even... Well, even if they told everybody, who would care as long as the stock was going up? Uh, in in my opinion, if we saw that, you know, the traders saw that... We, yeah, we that's what we do for a living. But most people, it's going up. They don't care. Well, uh, gravity is... It's a lot easier when some some people see because then you've got the pylon effect which is yeah. what you're talking about on the way up it also happens on the way down uh, example credit suisse but um it's it's an inaccurate take on their health well i think so you and i should also explain one other thing and again we're not we're not going to say the world's coming around because of credit suisse i mean that's not our point no, at all nobody here. cares about credit suisse what's their market cap i, don't, I mean well but but the thing of it is if, if Here's what I think the listeners, I think most most do know, but 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 definitely ought to know, is that if you if you trade an exchange traded product, Credit Suisse is ten point six billion dollar company. Um, that's <laughs> that's what one twentieth the size well, of Microsoft or but, something. But that's that's the whole point. What's the value of their or their default swap deck? What's the value? I don't know. The oldest, the no, the no, it's not even worth it for me to even look. No, but, the no, but I mean, the notional value of that deck is probably what a trillion. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's whatever the regula- the max, whatever the regulators can tell them it be. Okay, but, yeah, but I'm saying if, if you and I, I mean, Greg Trader on a, on, a, on a well board of trade CME, but if if you and I go down there and, and, and I buy the crush from Greg, or on the CBOE floor, if you bought an OEX option from me, or if you buy IBM from PTI. You, your your position is essentially a DTC. It's not if, if if you buy it from me and then sell it to Greg, you're flat. 
In other words, you don't have a position because the option position is with the option clearing corp. If I, if I buy, there's I'm, a significant yeah. uh, advantage to what you're talking about, considering there's a, a middleman guaranteeing most of the transactions. If if the principal defaults, if Credit Suisse goes out of business, their counterparties might. It, I mean, it might take years for people to get money back, which is going to be priced in also. But if we do this on an exchange, those middlemen, you know, who are paid, say the exchange or the clearing firms, those people are paid to make sure everything settles even when we default. So if I'm a piece of crap company and I'm doing shady business deals and I don't have a, a counterparty that's willing to... Uh, willing to trade with me, I can go to the exchange, but I have to pay for that. But if I can find people to trade with me and I don't need to pay the exchange, or I do, I, they, the counterparty has that default risk. Well, the, so the who are you in business with? The exchange is after 2007, 2008. I know, you know a guy named, uh, what was his last name, Tommy, uh, he was a, had a board of trade clearing for a while. Then he went to work for ICE. But his, his job Turn at ICE, uh, well, I mean, they, they got rid of board of <laughs> trade clearing. It became work, right? Yeah. Uh, but he, Tommy Hammond, and Tommy is a really bright guy, and he he went down because ICE tried to bring all these credit default swaps after the fiasco in, in seven and eight. He tried to bring all those credit default swaps into onto the exchanges where there would be a, a guarantor. Right. And boy, and talk about yeah, talk about getting resistance. I'll, I'll make it as simple as possible. Say say the bears, <laughs> the bears. You're a big gambler on the bears, and all of a sudden the bears are. Three-point dogs to the uh, Giants. And uh, and so they don't let you look in the practices. They don't let no, you. Well, but, but no, I'm talking about you're in, you're in the local saloon. Okay. Right, so you, you say to the guy, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the bears and the points. And some other guy says, I got them even. Then you go, all right, I'll take the Giants. Well, in theory, you can't lose, and you can only win both bets if it lands between the two, right? You're, well, but you're not flat. Because if the guy you bet against the Bears, you never see him again, you still got to pay the other guy, right? Oh, definitely. And that's... That's a problem. That's a counterparty yeah. risk. And that's what the it's exchanges like take online. away from you. If you're online, you know, they debit your account right away. They'll credit you yeah. maybe back. Um, there's... Well, actually, with online betting, there's a credit risk, too. Sure, if you, do it, if you do it in two different places. Right. So it's it depends on your counterparty. So now, we're at OCC in the OEX bid. If I bought 10 from you... It sold ten to Matt Byrne. I'm flat. You're flat, right? And, and that's I, not the majority that's, of. That's not the way. It's not the majority of business transactions. That's yeah. why. That's why the exchange stuff works so much better. So what? Now, if Tommy was successful in bringing credit default swaps here, that would that would open up or bring to light much more about those companies because you've got a couple thousand, you know, a uh, couple thousand traders. Digging into everything, looking yes. for, for um, say anomalies, and you've got a central clearing. So that means that even if I take a billion dollar bet and blow up, my contracts will still be honored because the board of trade is behind it. Well, not only that, they'll price it, which is what nobody wants. They want right. to price it themselves. I just, I just sold you this at six bucks. I got it worth four. I just made two. Uh, okay, but who's pricing it at four? Me. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. So, what about what's going to happen with this um, hurricane? We've got. I'm trying to figure out who owes my. Actually, I got to my brothers last night. They were on the phone with somebody who's 
right in the middle of this mess. Uh, yeah, Lee County in uh, Cape Coral, Fort Myers area got, got you know. But you know the weird part is so many so many people had their boats and cars and weren't down there. They just didn't, didn't do anything. So this lady, they sent pictures, uh, and when one person stayed in the building, I guess he might even be a, F- a FEMA guy. And the building is across the street. You know, from, there's a street and the marine and all that crap, and then there's this. I'm going to say 12-story building. Well, things showed up I went right at high tide. Well, the building is now, you can't go in there and get your stuff because it's, it's unstable. And one of the reasons why it's unstable, not just the, not just the uh, water getting underneath, right? Evidently, the guy said the water was up to the 7th or 8th floor. But they'd left so many cars in the parking lot and probably in some boats across the street that the cars were floating and banging into the building with the waves. Well, that means they were what fifty feet underground, or something at one point. That's I think. That's yeah. Well, the, the the storm surge was ten to fifteen. It, it came totally at high tide, evidently. The the, wa- the water in this thing is is more like if you look even inland, the water is still three feet high in all the streets. Yeah, the it, but it's absolutely. Of course, that, that area is not hilly or anything. There's not big a big drainage, but still, the amount of water just left even now, I have never seen anything like it. Well, they built those canals. Um, I think it was the Army Corps of Engineers built all those canals with kind of this in mind. Well, they built it um, in mind so everybody everybody had a spot for their boat. Yeah. Well, but I, there's no there's no and, locks. And and they built the the walls to the the sea walls to kind of mitigate that too. But if you've got ten feet of storm surge, there's not much that yeah, anybody tide. can do. Besides yeah. hope that your streets flood rather than you were... I don't know how specifically the community planners did it, but sometimes now what they'll do in Florida is design the streets to flood rather than the homes. Right. So the homes will be up a little bit, and they'll just say, you know, if we do get a lot of water, yeah, the streets will be out, but uh, the the homes should be safe up to this amount of storm surge. And then at that point, they start declaring flood zones and evacuations. So... Well, and just real quick, because we're probably talking about this more, Mr. Flanagan, but I was asking actually Axon, Audrey, this weekend, and she didn't really know the, the difference down there. Uh, and I don't know if any, John probably will, but in, in Illinois, if you have, I mean, I know this because Audrey's in real estate and, and Nancy's in mortgages, but there are, there's somebody somewhere, <laughs> some, somebody somewhere, there's a dude with, with a big-ass map of the state of Illinois and it'll drop down on every place, and somehow or another, Greg, for the last 100 years, people have been keeping track, maybe 120 years, of all the big rainstorms and everything else, and there are, there are designated flood plains. Oh, definitely. And, and they're, they're very, very specific. Albany Park. Well, I mean, but Audrey will say that, in, like in uh, Tinley, there's Tinley Creek. The house on this street, this block, is in the flood plain. The house 100 feet away is not. Because it, it is ne- the, and it, it, the creek has never gotten to that point. I mean, they obviously they have some elevations on uh, on everybody's property and all the other stuff, but it, it's very very specific. Now I have no idea how often that is reviewed. All right, and so somebody said, "Wait a minute, we have a new storm, and we better redo the maps." I mean, let, let's let's say it's up to speed, but still, it, it's areas that have been flooded before. It's near creeks, it's near rivers, it's those kinds of things. I would bet that it, and now when you get a when you get a normal homeowner's insurance, it doesn't usually cover floods unless you do it extra. But if you're in a floodplain, whenever Audrey makes out a, a listing a- agreement, it'll say, house is on floodplain. 
and there's no way on earth that you can get a mortgage without you getting flood insurance. But that flood insurance, I believe, comes from the government, not necessarily from the insurance company. That's that's you have to buy it from whoever the hell. Uh, yeah, there's a smorgasbord of yeah, of, uh, but regulation, especially in Florida. FEMA well, I'm talking about here. The, I'm the last resort. Yeah, something. Uh, well, I think it's probably from FEMA even here. So you're going to have to have that flood insurance on your house. I don't think you need it if you pay cash. You don't know how you want it if you pay cash, right? Right. But uh, but if you're going to get a mortgage, they want you to have the flood insurance. And I don't think that comes from State Farm or Allstate. No. It can, but there are, there are a lot of companies who are pulling uh, policies there and we're just saying we're not going to deal with this anymore. Well, but now in my area, the floods are the sewers back up. Okay, so I'm not in a floodplain, but if your sewer backs up, if you don't have that specifically on your insurance... Uh, or since the since the uh, the city put those valves in the in the sewers to stop the water after a certain point, the the street kind of fill the street kind of fills up. So if you're the lowest house on the block, it could conceivably run across your full lawn in your basement window. So I'm saying in, in my hood, you have to go to State Farm or Allstate and say I want flood insurance. You got to pay extra for it. But it but it's it's different than the us being in a flood plain. It's just in a city that has crummy sewers, right? Now, yeah. my question is, I'll go over, over with John, is, now what happens in Florida? My, my signature story has to be, when Houston got the nine inches of rain, that whole area flooded, I don't think that was a declared floodplain. So I'm thinking nobody had insurance there. I don't, I mean, maybe it isn't. The next question is, is it now? Now that they've had that storm, mm-hmm. have all the maps been changed? But as of the, I don't think that was a floodplain. Where that whole neighborhood went out in Houston? Because mm. it never happened before. No. There's no river that, that went up or anything, or a creek. It just they got nine inches of rain. Anyway, Greg, thank you very much, bud. SP Feeders up 13. NASDAQ Feeders up 275. And yeah, Mr. John Flanning, and Greg is welcome to stay around because we'll probably stay on the same topic. I'll be back uh, in a couple minutes. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. 
Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chief's favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. I like you. Do you like me? Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. I'm reading something here that I absolutely cannot believe. This this could be. I don't know, Greg. Is this is this a new law in uh, in in in, in uh, invest in SEC activities or what? It's, boy, it might be coming such a a mutt when it comes to these guys. SP futures up 15. Nasdaq futures up nine. Dow futures up 157. We're uh, breaking. Let me see everything in the Dow. I got everything pretty much uh, green here this morning. Apple down 50 cents. 3M down 50 cents. Nothing major, but uh, Microsoft's up a buck 75 and. Uh, well, everything else is pretty much up. Uh, nothing huge. Uh, Chevron Texco up 388, so I got to believe we're going to see oil is up. 
Uh, so we're making Oil's a up three and a half. Yeah, well, that'll do it. Almost eighty-three dollars. Over in Europe, we've got the Dex down sixty-one, we've got FTSE down forty-six, and uh, uh, CAC runs down thirty-seven. Um, the uh, hey Matt, you might want to call John. He says there's no answer on our lines. Also, you got the the euro. Um, Nikkei up two seventy-eight. Uh, Twenty. At, uh, that's one percent. Shanghai down sixteen point six percent. Hang Seng down one forty-three point eight. Um, we have now Friday again. We had another another crummy day. Dow down five hundred. S and P down fifty-four. Nasdaq down one sixty-one. We still have not had a, a major washout on the close, uh, but still, it's it's been just one bad day after another. And every 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 rally of any sort is, is just being sold. Uh, bonds up eight uh, up eight basis points, three seventy-two. Uh, the bond up eight basis points, two hundred three, back up over two percent. Uh, Japan still unchanged at point two five. Oil, as Greg was mentioning, is up three forty-six. It's four percent, eighty-two ninety-five. Brent up three forty-two, eighty-eight fifty-six. Natural gas down eighteen, six fifty-eight. So did you short that at nine thirty? Uh, Greg, what the hell? we were buying puts, hand over fist. Our Bob is up ten cents to two forty-seven. Explain to me, Lucy, why the hell is is gas back up to four ten if our Bob's two fifty? The spread should be like 80, 80 cents, eighty or ninety, and it's like Chicago, we're back up to six bucks. Yep. I mean, yep. I, why is that? With our Bob down that low, what are we doing in this area? Uh, gold up a buck ten, sixteen seventy three. Silver up forty cents, nineteen forty four. The silver is, is relentless, running back and forth from eighteen fifty to almost twenty, and it can't break out. Maybe this time it will. Copper down three cents, three thirty seven. Uh, crypto uh, up f- down forty five bucks, nineteen two twenty nine on the Bitcoin. Um, and we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, Euro is down to ninety seven. The pound is up one twelve. So the pound is up. So last Tuesday it traded 104, Greg, and yep. now it's up 112. Yep. So it's getting back. I won't last say normal, but Sunday it's staying night, at, yeah, 104, slip. and then it was 107, I think, by the morning. Really? Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, dub airs. Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.39 a.m. on Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Uh, currently we're looking at traffic in Chicago. There's an accident westbound on the Kennedy this morning. Happened just before East River Road. So expect delays up to 10 minutes when going out of the city. Uh, weather in Chicago, clear skies currently. We're at 48 degrees. Uh, expected to be chilly throughout the day with a high of 69 degrees and a low of 46. In Phoenix, though, partly cloudy, 78 degrees, a high of 97, and a low of 73. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs beat the Cincinnati Reds 8-1. Both teams back again for a rematch tonight at 5.40 p.m. The White Sox won against San Diego Padres 2-1. Tonight, Sox play Twin City at home. Game starts at 7.10. Yesterday was Sunday football in the NFL. Packers beat Patriots 27-24. Cardinals won against the Panthers. Final score was 26-16. And, of course, the Bears. The Bears lost to New York Giants 20-12. This marks the second loss this season for the Bears. They currently stand at two losses to one win. Oh, that's, no, it should be two wins. That's right. All for now, back to you, Chief. Yeah, Jan, are you with us? I'm here, Tom. Sorry for the glitch. No, no problem. Uh, you know, just uh, you guys, you know, are kind of... Still hanging in your place for COVID, you know. Sometimes you have these glitches. Just saying. <laughs> um, I just saw this thing here, Jan, and what we were talking about the the uh, Greg's hanging with us for a bit because we were talking about the uh, uh, some of the you know the trading ramifications of the hurricane. But I don't. I, I I am absolutely stunned by this. After watching person after person come on Tout TV and every other place touting this crypto because they just went and bought it. Uh, and th- that appears to be okay, from Scaramucci down to 
people I know. I mean, how many people have we seen and they're in tout crypto and, and their Bitcoin? I was going to the latest best thing because they just went and bought it. Hundreds of them, right? Yep. Kim Kardashian agreed to pay a $1 million fine to settle SEC charges for failing to disclose a payment she received for touting a crypto asset on Instagram. Mm. So if you get paid by crypto for touting, it's different than buying it and touting. What's the difference? And how, and how does the SEC control her? She's not a registered person at all. Good question. Makes, makes you think they've got the tentacles where you didn't know they had them. Well, it just means that they're going to go after anybody that, that somehow can't fight them. But they're, they're, they're never going to go. I think that's, that's the deal with the IRS, you know, additional agents, too. These are people who don't have, you know, attorneys on retainer for tax matters. Um, and it's just a kind of a looting scheme to take advantage of people who can't fight back. I, I there's all kinds of big people that you know. I, I'm, I'm thinking it was was it wasn't Mark Cuban, but it was. I don't think it was him. It was uh, all kinds of even CEOs of firms are touting crypto for guy. What about this guy from MicroStrategy? Been touting it the whole time. And, and his firm and he's buying bought. it with leverage. Yeah, he's buying it with leverage. I mean, wh- for God's sake, <laughs> has there ever been any other person in the history to lose ten billion dollars twice? Um, that's he's he's working on it. <laughs> Well, John, we're working our way through. Uh, I try and explain a little bit about how the, the flood insurance works in Chicago or in Illinois when you have specific flood plains. Uh, do you have any idea how that works in Florida? Because one of the, the people who uh, stopped my brother yesterday, and of course, uh, the family, the um, not our family, the, uh, the in laws, uh, have people, they have like three condos right in this area. I mean, this is the Chicago area. You know, this, this Sanibel Island, all those kind of places. That's where. And it, it's kind of the Chicago hovel, isn't it, pretty much? Uh, yeah. Fort Myers in that area. Uh, and they were, they were. T- I got some pictures, I was t- mentioned on the here, that this one lady has a house. So we got a little bit. She has a, a greyhound, a big old greyhound. So she wasn't about, she, her. it's like a 12-story building she lives in off the beach. And uh, she wasn't going to leave, but she figured she wouldn't be able to walk the dog and stuff. So she left because of the dog. Well, thank God, because their building is now, you know, it's not down, but you can't go in it. And one guy stayed, who actually works for for FEMA, and he said it was the most harrowing thing he ever saw. The water had made it up to like the sixth or seventh floor, and all the car, people that, that were gone just just left their crap. Their cars were in the parking lot, mm. and their boats were in the, in the marina. Now, I, mean, I guess you could have found a river to run the boat up, but whatever. And the guy said the cars with the water and the waves were banging into the building, which uh. was causing a lot of the damage. But now FEMA's already given them an estimate. Is 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 Florida in a there's a whole? Do they have floodplains like here? I, mean, I would think that that would be hurricane damage. I, I don't know if their house was necessarily in a floodplain, but there's a difference between hurricane insurance and flood insurance. or in a floodplain, right? Completely different. Yeah. What I mean, and, and wind insurance, all these things. I mean, they are they're. You know, the criteria, from what I've been able to find, I mean, it's got to be a named storm, first of all. Of course, if there's a declared disaster by the state, that's important, too. Um, but it's completely separate from flooding, as you and I might interpret. If you get water in the basement, that's a flood to us. But depending on what caused it, you may or may not be covered. So, But when you used to do the title stuff, I mean, Audrey tells me that if somebody could be right across from a creek, well, they could be in a floodplain, but like, the next block isn't. I mean, it's very specific. In Illinois, I mean, there's these maps all over the place, and when you list a house, it's got to have if it's if it's in a declared floodplain, uh, it has to be, that has to be on there, and you have to buy flood insurance before anybody give you a mortgage, right? Yep. 
Well, now we're in Florida. Is, is the whole state a flood? I mean, is there is such a thing? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I mean, Houston, when they had their big rain, the whole area flooded. I don't think that was a floodplain. I think it just happened. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you want to, you've got a storm surge, especially one like this, or really any storm surge. So if you turn something into a floodplain, you know, maybe you wouldn't think of it as one. But all of Florida is so low lying, you know, compared to pretty much any state, and not not just you know coastal states. But um, I think you know they've got some. <laughs> there's going to be some kind of rethinking of this because I I think the insurance companies don't want to say something like this at the at this time given what's been going on with them and been, you know these superstorms and sandy or katrina or you know just going back in the last 10 or 15 years have really sent shockwaves through these companies because they you know they're happening it's not unusual that they're happening and i'm just going to leave global warming and all that stuff off the table but you've got a state like florida that's continually adding population in, in huge numbers too, mm-hmm. and construction and, and you know, to accommodate that, and you know infrastructure and everything else. I just don't think that you know the insurance company can, can any insurance company can continue on this sort of a basis. And you look at you know other losses they've had recently too, and you know debt payouts or disability payouts. This is you now kind of a, a really bad time to be an insurer. Well, John, how can we never? I guess I, maybe I just don't know where to look, or it's not coming across my desk, or normally uh, if there's anything interesting, one of the listeners sends it by me, but uh, uh, Carl's been talking about, and, and actually it's not just Carl talking, I actually dug in, and I don't know how to get the same kind of information he does, but if you actually look at the the amount of deaths that are this year are over-expected, uh, actually more than 2020, I think, right? Is it? Yeah. And, uh, now... In some states, the numbers aren't that high. I mean, I, I think I was looking, was it Georgia? The amount of people between the ages of, uh, you know, 20 and 35 or something. The amount of people are expected to die in a year, it's like, you know, it's not very many. It's a, it's a couple of hundred. It's a lot if it's your, or somebody you care about. But I'm saying, it, so if that number goes from a couple of hundred to like, you know, 350, you know, it's, it's sort of a big deal percentage-wise, but... What is, uh, I mean, is there any, been any, I have not read any article saying that insurance companies are are whining or in trouble because more people are dying. Than, I mean, there must be a, some sort of a cushion or whatever. I, I don't even know how that even works for those guys. Well, it is un- unequally distributed. I saw some tables, like New Hampshire or Vermont, one of these states, have practically no excess mortality right. you know, going back over two years. And other states had huge increases. But you're right. I haven't read very much about it either. Um, Ed Dowd, uh, you know, is, is a guy who used to be with Goldman Sachs or BlackRock, and he's sort of taken this on as a private project. And I know Steve Bannon has had him on his show a couple times, and he's written blogs and stuff about it. I don't see any real analysis of it, though. It's 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 the sort of thing where maybe they nobody wants very much to be said about it because it's going to start forcing people to ask a lot of questions. You know sudden adult death syndrome means exactly what. Um, it's not been, as far as I know, given any kind of clinical signs or symptoms that you can look for. It's, but the deaths are happening in huge numbers compared to 2020. Well, how does it... You got that factor. And then you got the insurance companies who are paying out but you know, in disability claims too, people who can't work anymore for health, health reasons. It's really hard to get this data, Tom, and I think it, it's probably a strategic decision not to let it get to 
too well known. Mm. Well, who's the guy? Uh, who was the guy? I never. The <laughs> South Side will never leave me. Uh, who was the guy who wrote that several? I, I don't know if he won a Pulitzer Prize or if he, he sure should have. He, he wrote uh, this is I'm going to say four or five years ago for the Washington Post. He wrote a series of articles uh, regarding the uh, the horseshoe of despair. If you remember those. Uh, oh, um, what was the guy's name? Uh, help, not help us but he basically was talking about how, uh, from essentially Appalachia down south across Alabama, Mississippi, across the river and up into Arkansas, the area is just for stunken. Uh, I mean, they're not everything in there, but he was talking about how some counties in Alabama, there's you know what huge percentage of the people are on disability. You know, and I, and I, this. This is on uh, Social Security disability and or other kind of disability if you were covered by somebody, and uh, and how it, it actually is sort of it's sort of true, in the sense that they interviewed this one lady and she seemed you know bright and fine, when she had worked in a nursing home since she was twenty or something and she was like in her late forties, and guess what her, her back was all screwed up for you know hauling people out of bed for twenty five years thirty mm-hmm. years, and. Uh, and she said, you know, she goes, I don't know a person in this county who has a job where they're sitting down. She goes, if if, it, if there were all kinds of jobs here where we could just be retrained and go somewhere and sit at a desk, she goes, I can do that. If there isn't a job here that I don't, I'm not on my feet like lifting, and I just can't do that. So it, it almost like you, you, you define your own, you know, it's not like we're going to move her to Chicago and put her in an office. But for where she is, right there, she's disabled, right? For for the whatever job she can get in that county. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not saying I, I feel for the lady. It's not like I, but I mean, how do you, how do we pay? How does everybody, all the rest of the people, pay for all these people that aren't working? Anyway, but we're kind of a far afield. But on a life insurance, I mean, if if I go out, if I become a life insurance salesman, and I send a, a life insurance policy on Greg, who's going to live to be 100 and make a gazillion dollars, <laughs> so he's got a he's got a you know 10 million dollar policy. And he starts paying me, you know, five grand a year or ten grand a year, whatever the hell it is. I can't just take the ten grand to profit, right? There's all these tables of how much I have to reserve and how much I can count as profit. Yeah. But, but how does that work for like disability? But I, don't, I mean, it, I mean, who prescribes all this stuff? I mean, who, who's, you know, how big is the reserve? If all of a sudden you have ten extra people die last year, do you have, you have to up the reserve to account for it? I mean, does anybody know any of this crap? I sure don't. Well, it's highly regulated, you know, state by state, and there are standards. Um, but you know, an insurance commissioner, or in any state really, can set the bar for you know reserves. Um, you know, what what kind of you know coverage, or even pricing guidelines, and so on. That there are standards that you know are intensely watched, and this goes for title insurance, as well as casualty insurance, auto insurance, all this stuff. It's it's. Um, the numbers are constantly being crunched, and the, the, the information is important to a lot of people because it shows trends that are, you know, it raises questions about other things that may not be turning into questions yet. So it kind of sees things at a, at a earlier point along the way. Well, I can and, remember and in general people want to connect some dots. I mean, that's that's one of the, the ways this data can be extremely useful. Well, when you talk about show you things that are happening that are going to continue to rise or maybe rise explosively given recent trends and it's going to mean a, a huge hit to a lot of places so um, but but you know within you know what you and I can find out about this or even like insurance risks and so on is somewhat limited 
I was just looking this morning on the FEMA map, you know, the, the National Risk Index, which goes county by county for the entire U.S. Really? And it gives scores to every county. And these are based on you know, social vulnerability, it says, community resilience. And I've got to look farther to see you know, where these things are defined. Um, but Cook County is a red county, you know, mm. It's well, significantly be. higher than any other county in Illinois. And it goes into things like you know, avalanche risk, volcanic risk, you know, wind damage, cold damage, heat damage, blah, 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 on and on and on. And FEMA you know, has put this into a colored grid county by county, and I'm sure it's broken down probably into census districts somewhere along the line, too. And then you've got local, you know, environmental agencies, you know, floodplains, flood districts, drainage districts, that keep their own records and show you know, precisely where floodwaters have reached by the overflow of a creek or a river in the past. And some of those are online, some of them are not. Um, so it's, it's hard for the average person, I think, to get a good handle on some of that data. But it sure is interesting to just poke around the country and see. Where do they have you know, us on earthquake? Where do they have the Midwest and earthquake risk seeing as the worst earthquake? happened here. I'd have to go and look at some of these you know, cause all it does is give you the color gradations like red, blue, Do you remember yellow, the last one, Chief? And within them they yeah. have all these little... The last one, I, w- I was right next to it. The last, last earthquake. Really? Isn't it southern Illinois yeah. somewhere? I, was, I, I went and bought this pickup truck. I told you this story. I bought this pickup truck in Tucson. And, uh, and uh, so I'm driving it home and I, and I had a... Uh, I, had, I was staying at a place down in uh, southern Illinois. Mm. And... Uh, all of a sudden, I wake up and the whole room is shaking. 2007 or six. Yeah, the whole room, the whole yeah, room is shaking. I recall that. I, I'm saying, I, I, I hope this is, is either an earthquake or a, or, a hur- or a tornado. I'm thinking this place is gonna is gonna hang up to a, a tornado. I hope it's an earthquake, and it was. It was right by. Uh, but John, I, I guess when we were when we were Utes, did he say you? Uh, I seem to remember a couple of these. I'll use the term superstorms that hit, but the whole area. I mean, it hit. I remember a couple in the Gulf that. Miss New Orleans, Miss Galveston, and hit like in you know West Texas or someplace. And it was like, okay, well they hit in a, a mostly an uninhabited area, and like nobody gives a crap type of thing. Well, I think that even happened in Florida a couple of times. But now, the entire coastline, pretty much on both sides, is loaded with people and, and condos and everything. Really, all the way up through Carolina and all the way across the, the you know the Redneck Riviera. I mean, I, I guess you know if if, if there's a hurricane or two a year. There's there's so much building along all these all these coastlines that if you take out you know a hundredth of one percent a year, I guess they're just gonna have to raise the rates where that's the risk. What it's, I mean, uh, it, we're not they're not gonna stop having storms, right? No, and they're not gonna you know stop having resort areas right. like Myrtle Beach or whatever because the states desperately need this tourism money. So it isn't like they're just gonna declare these you know unbuildable again and everybody walks away. So you got this, this terrible tension. <laughs> well, from what I understand, this one person, uh, I, we'll go nameless because I don't even know that I don't know their name. Uh, in this condo that uh, they have, I, I was stunned. I, I, first of all, I never even thought that how many people just never even went down there. It's it's a it's a summer home. You know, the cars in the lot and the boats in the marina and the places there. Nobody even went down to pull their stuff out of there or 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 move the car or anything. Just nobody nobody gives a shit. For, I, I I I have no idea why you would at least go down and get your car the hell out of there. But but people didn't. And uh, so evidently the uh, the place was purchased you know not that long ago for four hundred and fifty grand. 
there was was an assessment at one point for I guess for maybe a second more I didn't ask of like seven hundred, and FEMA has already went through there and said we'll give you three and a quarter. Hmm. Now FEMA evidently is the payer of last resort here, so I'm guessing it's a floodplain. Uh, when you buy flood insurance, you, you don't buy a specific amount; you just buy whatever they they plan on giving you. Or how does that work? Well, they look at what the, the typical you know if it means the destruction of the home, say. Um, so it's, it's a flood that actually inundates you and makes the home unlivable and it's got to be demolished. Um, if you want to pay, I'm sure you get insurance that will cover some replacement value for the house itself. That's I looked it up, guys. are certainly facing now. An additional um, 48500 so, you know, Overwhelming mm-hmm. that there's no way you can just say, well, we're always going to take out some drywall in the basement. You know, we got we got to rebuild the whole thing. So. I wonder if they got to rebuild this whole building. I mean, it's like a 12-story. What were, you, what were you saying, Greg? So I looked up how many of the homes in Lee and what is it Hillsborough Pinellas all those counties now those are in the middle those are like where so, poor people live right well, mm. no no Lee <laughs> Lee is Cape Coral okay, I believe okay. uh, and then Tampa and St. Petersburg are Hillsborough and Pinellas but those counties have 48,500 in Lee that are not covered by FEMA and then 51,500 in Hillsborough and Pinellas that aren't covered by uh, those are not in flood zones and they didn't and they, they did flood and they did flood yeah mm. those people are screwed I think yeah so yeah yeah what, what about the poor the central state which is kind of crummy in Florida where like the migrant workers and stuff isn't there a county in there to get they only maybe they only had 80 mile an hour winds but that's all they needed where those people live that, that's totally wrecked right with the trailers and everything else mm. now, those guys probably got nothing Mm. I think there's a total in Florida of 350,000 homes that are not on floodplains, but did get wrecked. To, yeah. Ew. Well, that's not good. It's <laughs> a cheery thought on a Monday morning. Not good at all. Or, yeah, it's a cheery thought on a Monday morning. Or maybe it's just those 100,000 um, that are at risk in Lee. For this hurricane, Lee uh, and Hillsborough and Pinellas. Those they don't have that specific insurance, and it's probably going to be way more expensive to get it now. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, then they probably didn't have uh, insurance. I mean, you can you can get it through if it's not a floodplain. At least in Illinois, you can get it through your insurance company, but it's different. Yeah, it says Charlotte County, where six people were killed, has more than fifty thousand homes that are not accounted for by FEMA's maps. And I wonder what. Now the question, next question would be: Out of those fifty thousand, how many of them have private? Wind and water insurance, and I'll bet. What would you guess, Jan? Not even half. Yeah, I'm probably a lot less than half. Yeah. The uh, well, the good news is the market, the market's rallying. <laughs> SP futures up 22, Nasdaq futures up 34. All I know is my clients. We could all use a nice update here. Can we can we even get like a bear market rally here, Greg, or what? I mean, it's a. Uh, if the VIX is 30 and we're down 20 percent, I still think the market can go down 10 percent. Yeah, I think that we're not even addressing some. Um, real quick, I'll talk about the after the break. Talk about it with Jen, or you can hang if you want. Uh, Jim Chanos is talking about all these the Chinese real estate market. There's not enough room on the news for all the bad news. Uh-huh. You can't you can't even put it all on there. <laughs> SP futures down 22, Nasdaq futures down 33. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Matt Burn on the board, Janet Flanning. And with this, SP Futures up 27. His Futures up 49. We're getting a little legs to this. Janet, I can't stop looking at this Kim Kardashian thing. I'm, I'm no fan at all. How, do, how does she ever get fined by the SEC? Thank you, Mark Tom. I mean, there's a kind of a, a crusade going around, um, and I think it's it's not accidental that you know people like Martha Stewart and Kim Kardashian have fallen under the wheels. Um, to me, it's, it's an attempt to intimidate people and, and you know put the fear of God into them that we've got the power to do this and watch out. It, it's it's horrific to me, but I mean, I just I mean, of course, I'm reading this from CNBC. The article is by Mike uh, Kalia. Says Kim Kardashian agreed to pay more than one million to the settle SEC charges for failing to disclose the payment she received for touting a crypto asset. How how is Musk by saying he's going to take once in a while he'll say I'll take crypto for the cars and then I won't? How is he not touting? How did, how does what's his name Scaramucci come on and, and do nothing but say how he should buy it? And other guys are saying this is the whole new world. I had a guy in last week talking about he, he's this big you know. This big think tank guy, and he goes, "This is going to be the future of crypto. It's going to get around all the other." They're they're registered people, for God's sake. She's not. Why? Why would you ever think that the SEC is watching what you do? She, she. So let me get this straight. If we if if I go on TV, I'll be like Joe DiMaggio when he was still alive and tout a coffee maker. It says here she failed failed to disclose a payment. If I if I do a commercial for somebody, who who do I have to disclose that to? What what, what am I missing here? Right. Makes it makes it makes it look at a lot of other stuff too, Tom. Well, against they're not looking at any of the right people. No, I mean the people that have touted this this crypto are the the line is long and and it's and it's a it's a line of top people. 
It all had one thing in common. They went and bought it before they said to go buy it. I don't <laughs> So if you receive a payment from them, it's okay. It's not okay. But if you go buy it first and then tell somebody else to buy it, that's okay. What I, okay. I can't even I can't I can't even go down this road. I don't even know where the hell. Um so Jan, we have uh if I were to ask you I'm gonna ask this man. If you were in the grocery store and you you know, I'm just you know, observing for stacks and jacks and just saying you know, I'm an observant sort. If you saw four items, now one of them wasn't like that, but the other three, four items that either had uh, you couldn't buy because there weren't, weren't any, or it had restrictions on how much you could buy in bad times, what would you think they were? Well, bad times. Um, meat? Any kind of meat? No, nobody can afford it. You have to restrict that. Bread? It was, uh, I'll let, it was peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Tuna, the tuna fish was gone when you could buy there was a couple cans left and pasta it was a four pound limit on pasta pasta and I, my brother said what about rice I said I forgot to check the rice but, but if you were going to feed people for like next to nothing and had a family you'd load up on pasta you'd load up on maybe some tuna fish and you'd load up on peanut butter right? Mm. and some rice and you feed people pretty cheap with that I uh I was stunned when I, I mean it's two weeks in a row now. I, I never heard of a limit on pasta before. Not even during COVID was there one. Now that you mention it, I saw a whole you know series of shelves of pasta at the Jewel cleaned out the last time I was in there last week. Yeah, I mean I, I've seen that before, so it didn't really surprise me that much. But but this shows that, that you know marginal food is you know is having a run. Yeah, well, I mean. You know, You're not going to develop any brain cells, maybe, in pasta, if you eat nothing but pasta. So. Mm. <laughs> you know what? As somebody who actually really likes pasta, if you want to, if as long as you put some lentils in there, you're getting all the protein you would get from meat. Yeah, you got to add to it. Same thing with rice, too. Yeah. Rice will keep you alive, but it's not, oh, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, you, plus... But you what does that tell us, Tom? I mean, that's, that's kind of a... Well, let's put it this way. So if you give me done. rice with chopsticks, it won't keep me alive, because I can never figure out how to eat it. <laughs> just saying. Um, Gotta get you a spoon for that one. Yeah, you know, I, I just one more thing we have to add to our list of stuff, Tom. We got banking issues, we yeah. got housing issues, yeah. well, supply I mean, chain issues. And you can't use chapsticks. That's no. top of the list. Yeah, and I can't even use it. You know, I, I never. I, I keep trying. I do. I just never could figure it out. But uh, I suppose if I had to, I'd find a way to eat. But uh, anyway, yeah, if I'm hungry enough, I could. Just the chopsticks and I just stuff it around. There's yeah. always the hands. There's always, always the hands. hands. <laughs> um, Eat like Viking night. My <laughs> friend Bob Golden used to talk about that when he was at John Carroll University. Once once every now and then they'd have Eat like Viking night in the dining hall and he wouldn't get any silverware. Okay, that would have been fun. <laughs> well, as long as you had like chicken or something, it might not have been okay. But <laughs> if, you, if you got pasta, it would be, tr- be a problem. Or soup. Or jello. Yeah, or I jello. Jello. Yeah, I mean, the. I don't know. I mean, I, I sure would like to see some kind of a rally here because I think the margin calls and everything are starting to beat up on people. But I really don't see. I don't know. John, I, I got caught Saturday night between two total Trumpers. One being my my date, uh, <laughs> Audrey, and this other guy. And I'm like, I I, I, just, I just can't get it. You know, it's, it's the guy has spectacular ideas. He wants to close the borders. He hates the Chinese. He wants to. Uh, Lower taxes, and by the way, he hates liberals. And I'm like, okay, okay well, that's you. You can have these ideas. I, I mean, the, the guy on the street can have these ideas, but you, you're not accomplishing anything. All you do is piss people off. You can't get anybody on your side. Your personality's terrible. 
I mean, I, w- just because you tout it out there doesn't mean that you actually you actually care about this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I just anyway. But uh, you know, you, you start talking about all the different problems there are, and, and they're just. I don't even hear anything about this debt overseas. I can't imagine what the Central Bank of Europe's balance sheet looks like. Uh, UK seems to be out of control, and the and, and the lady who's, who took charge thinks it's it's 1970 something with Ronald Reagan. I mean, I don't know wh- where she's coming from. All these politicians do is is cater to the person who put them there. I mean, if it's if it's the Democrats, they they send money where they think are voting for them. If the Republicans, they can't. All they want to do is is lower taxes for for people they think are voting for them. Does anybody have any kind of long term vision at all on any of this stuff? It, I mean, I, I don't see any of it in, in, in any level of government, whether it's Republican, Democrat, anywhere. I, there isn't a person there I like any place. I, mean, I you know, is it just me being grumpy or what? No, you know, the political class, and this is this is I think really what explains Trump's continuing appeal for such a huge swath of people is that the, the political establishment, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian Democrat or a socialist or a communist in, in any European country or a Democrat or Republican in this country, they're all singing the same song pretty much. And if you, if you trace their sources of influence back far enough, you'll see that they're all doing the same messaging at heart. They're not really, there's no, no you know, daylight between them on a lot of these positions. And this is why Trump continues to be, you know, a kind of standard bearer for people who who can see this and know that their futures are not being looked at by either party, um, and that this is you know, the populism or the threats to democracy that the Democrats are always touting really just shows the bankruptcy of both the Democrats and the Republicans to respond in meaningful ways to real issues. Well, I, have, I have absolutely no issue with the the uh, uh, Trump should have been a third party guy in my. The third party persona, because people aren't getting what they want out of the other two. I mean, I, I get that part, but it should be anybody but him. <laughs> this has always been my matter of fact. My whole life, John, I, I really wanted a third party guy to come in and, and straighten things out. I just I was crushed when it was him. Out of all the people in the world, I can't stand it. it's that man. Mm-hmm. He, he's never yeah, been. Whoever would have been him, it would have been somebody who would have been reviled by the other party. So, and he probably wouldn't be very a like very likable person either. So, I'm. I'm, I'm just saying that, 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 that kind of goes into territory. It would be a Trump-like person if it weren't Trump. It might be somebody who actually did some stuff somewhere and, and started to write columns or did some stuff and actually showed people he had a brain cell working. I mean, it could have it could have been somebody like that. Mm. You know, a combination of a business, maybe somewhat of a professor, somewhat of an author, maybe even an athlete because they needed some, or, or maybe a military guy. It could have been somebody like that. It didn't have to be him. Anyway, but that's... But, you know, the, the two-party system, I think, has become so enshrined. Uh, it's a very hard habit for people to shake. And certainly the, the climate, in for, you know, for fundraising and for messaging says, you know, kind of frozen into this, you know, binary arrangement we have. And what's funny about it to me is that these parties are, are completely fungible, too, because they to drift all over the place policy-wise. I mean, you look at the... The Republicans of 50 years ago compared to the Republicans of 100 years ago or 150 years ago, and the Democrats, too. They, they're just drifted all over the place yeah. policy-wise. They have no guiding principles. Um, but there has to be at least two of them, and, and ideally no more, it seems, because really since, when, you know, 1912, a, a serious third-party challenge in a presidential Well, what's-his-name was pretty I, serious. It doesn't really happen at the local level either. 
So who's, we're, we're going to step with this. Who's, who's we're, we're going to be continually tearing the, the foundations of these two parties apart and rebuilding them. But. Russ Perot is pretty serious. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I'd have to guess. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... Well, you certainly, you know, it, it enabled, you know, it, well, it forced Clinton to play the centrist card, which I think, you know, wasn't hard for him to do. But he had to go at it a lot harder than probably a lot of Democrats would have wanted him to in order to be Perot, so... Well, I, I, the... Somehow, some way, and I don't, I don't know what the uh, when people talk about the Constitution, what a spectacular document it is. And I, I'm going to have to say, for the times, or really for any time, I don't think I've. Well, it's not like I read it every day. I'm not like lured, you know, attorney guys like you. But it's to me, it it, it really understood all, all the foibles about human nature mm. with the checks and balances stuff. Because essentially, those guys were. And pretty brilliant guys, but a lot of them were a bunch of crooks too, and they knew how crooks operated, right? Was that was that a fair assessment? Or they knew people, and yeah. they, you know, they were they were smart business people, smarter than I think business people today, um, and they were great writers, you know, and they were persuasive writers too. And you know, this is it wasn't just about hectoring people, which is what you know the parties do now. This was about you know schmoozing people to to make them see, you know, you, you needed this person's vote, you needed the state to ratify the Constitution. You had to give up something to get those votes. Um, it was the way, you know, a, a representative government is, is supposed to work. When, and when you have top-flight people managing it, of course, you, you can, you're likely to get a pretty good result. I think we got a, a great result, but we've had terrible custodians, you know, for most of the time since then. And now we've descended into the kind of factionalism that but Madison and even you know, Hamilton, I think they couldn't quite envision how robust this engine is where you're just tearing the other side apart. And it's, it's, it's looking for signs of vulnerability or weakness all the time. It's not about talking to people. It's not about getting them to change their minds. It's about insulting them. And, you know, I don't, I don't see that as <laughs> the, the way out of this mess. I think that's, that is the mess we have. Well, I think part and parcel to it is that the the politicians and they, you know, they, uh, you know, I mean, the, the hatred of, uh, you know, Pritzker and Lightfoot. I mean, this, this is a very Republican group. You know, I mean, it's there. There, there doesn't seem to be any uh, assessment of the of the job these people are being asked to do on either side. And I, I also think that they, they're all their own worst enemies. I mean, if, if you're talking about long term. Solutions to things like defense spending. How many aircraft carriers are we going to have? I would, if if I was, you know, God, if I was president, which would be the worst thing to him to the country. But uh, if I would, every once in a while, you would come out with some sort of a long-term plan, and you would hope that if there's 11 people on the dais, it would be you, five Republicans and five Democrats. Where no matter what the other stuff we're we're bitching each other about. We should all agree that this is this is the level of defense we need to have, with all the other problems in the world. I mean, it shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you're on for those subjects, should it? It shouldn't matter. I mean, for in terms of even for energy. I mean, even though this the idea of the uh, uh, how we're going to work our way out of you know energy situations and how we're going to move going forward and what our investment's going to be. This this is not a get rid of the wacky tree huggers on one side and get rid of the other guys on the other side that say, no matter how much we pollute, you know, if a volcano erupts, it can pollute worse, so let's not worry about it. 
the, the solution either, isn't either on one of those ends. It's obviously somewhere in the middle. We're going forward in a normal pattern. How are we going to make sure that new houses are insulated so they use less stuff? Everybody's worried about cars. No, nobody worries about the fact that half the population probably doesn't have an insulated house, for God's sake. I mean, it, I mean we focus on all, and these things become very political. You shouldn't drive that car. Yeah, but buddy, you got a 40,000 square foot house. You don't need it. What's the matter with you? I mean, it, it can go, I mean, there, there's no reflection. There's no looking in the mirror on any of this stuff. And yet, we, as a group, we should say, okay, you know, every decade we want to have a little less polluting stuff and a little more of the other stuff, maybe a lot more if, it, if uh, you know, somebody develops a, a breeder reactor or something. I mean, but th- these, are, these things should not be this far apart. I mean, it, I don't think, should they? I mean, uh, no. Well, we, we, we've got a whole class of politicians now and you know, mostly Democrats, and not all Democrats, but you know, legislating morality, which you know, it's 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 a sin against you know the global warming czars or yeah. our credo. Um, we shouldn't be using fossil fuels, period. So let's stop using them right away, or let's you know, punish you for yeah. wanting to cling to them, and let's you know say you should be buying this kind of vehicle, although it's completely out of your price range. Um, but you should be doing this, and we're we're going to require that you do it. And it's going to happen in ten years, and you won't be able to buy anything but the kind of vehicle we tell you. Well, you somehow we, we've morphed. And this in goes to, to all the way through the economy. But this what is you should be eating. I mean, now we got yeah. people tell us we should be eating crickets instead of meat. Well, you know, if you want to eat crickets, you go ahead and you build a cricket farm and well, Jan, sell your product, and that's fine with me. But don't make me do it. How did know? how did how did the attitude change from when? Uh, I'm not saying things were terrific when we were young. But how did the attitude, when I, when I started um, trade, or when I started in business, when I started working for Allied Van Lines or Pullman, it was pretty obvious to me that, uh, you know, people could do kind of what they wanted. I don't know why we ever let the, the tobacco companies do what they did, but we did. Uh, and, you know, and those guys gave free cigarettes to everybody in the war, and everybody thought they were going to die the next day, so everybody smoked. And it, it ruined a, how many zillion people's lives and how much did it cost, you know, the country to fight those battles. But the uh, basically in, in our in our era, the deal was, uh, okay, I'm going to pay 150 bucks insurance a month. I know, because I was pretty healthy when I was 22, that the 150 probably wasn't for me necessarily, that it was for everybody. And everybody's paying 150 Maybe if you're a little older, you paid a little bit more. But uh, that's what insurance was for, right? I mean, I paid auto insurance. I knew I was a careful driver. I didn't run around and drive 100 miles an hour like people do now. So, you know, I, I knew I was paying kind of for those people as well. So, but I, but, but I get it. The, 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 flea, the, the flip is, well, when I get to be 60, young people are doing that for me. It's just, it's just the way it is, and you know what? It's okay with me. Well, now all of a sudden, everybody, it's, it's like the, the, glaring, you know, the Gladys Kravitz turned Karens of the world. All they want to do is watch other people and tell them what to do. As long as they're not bothering you, stick your nose back in your own house. I mean, I, I, I mean, th- but this is insane. And, uh, and yet, if you mention one of those people, hey, you just blew your your uh, your uh, Land Rover through the stop sign. Well, then they're totally affronted. You know, what are you telling me for? I mean, somehow or another, the entire attitude here, right and left, is totally, totally changed. I mean, if a teacher said your kids a screw up, it's your fault. It's not the kids' fault. You know, like, like really. I mean, it's it's all all parts of society that everybody else is wrong except you. I don't I don't know where we ever got that attitude change because it's just it's just not right. It's not plus it's not true. 
in my opinion. Well, some people, some people trace it to what, you know, Mao Zedong was extremely successful in doing, in energizing the youngest, the most naive members of the population into enforcing, you know, the four, you know, great truths or whatever. It's kind of a spin-off on, on Buddhism in a perverted way. But it's like, you know, we can't have any old ideas. And anything old, anything historic, anything traditional is counter-revolutionary. And, of course, if you get a whole big group of the population of, you know, extremely idealistic people who have no past of their own to draw upon, and you tell them to distrust it, which is exactly what's happening now in this country, then it's pretty easy to say it's completely disposable and you are a, a bigot and a fascist for clinging to it. And this is the kind of culture we have now in choosing cur- curriculum in the schools. Um, you know, if you're not on board with this, then you're the problem. How dare you tell us what we should be teaching your kids? You know, like, well, they're my kids, you know. Well, yeah, they're it's not uh, your kids. <laughs> you teach your kids whatever you want. Did you listen to Lou? They're in a public school. I don't think they should be learning X, Y, Z. They should be learning A, B, C. That's why we have local school councils. That's why we have parent-teachers associations, on and on and on. But those things are now being thrown under the bus because th- those aren't decisions that people can be trusted to make. You need somebody who's going to dismantle the whole thing because we've been living you know, a lie all these generations. Now's the time to fix it. And I just get sick of listening to these crazies you know, but, talking this way. But somewhere, I'm not sure. They believe firmly in it. You know, in their hearts, maybe they actually do believe it. But I think it's a, it's a brainwashing technique that has worked too well in the past, and it's working very well now, too, here. Well, I don't, I don't get how the money that comes from schools comes from essentially everybody, right? Especially the way the system is here. I don't really want, I mean, as much as I, you know, a local school board can do what they want in terms of their football team and whatever, I don't want to give them any money if they think that at the end of eighth grade, the kids don't have to know math, don't have to know re- reading, don't have to be able to write, don't know any history. That's what I'm paying for. I want somebody to be a, a part of society that knows what the Constitution is, what civics is, and, and knows how to add. And I'm, I'm really tired of people that I've, I've paid a fortune for, not that they're dumb, that all of a sudden they, they can't read or write or talk I mean, or, or, or add. I mean, what exactly am I paying for? I mean, I, I know this is, this is an old guy talking, but, but you know, what, did you listen to Lou last week? I, I was really stunned because he's uh, hooked me onto a couple of books regarding uh, uh, Nazism and how they worked their way down through the system to where actually a lot of, a lot of the police uh, became Gestapo. Uh, and, and individual people were really happy to tell on neighbors because they thought they got some points for it. Obviously, the same thing happened in France with Vichy. I was stunned that but, uh, he was saying that in the, he, where, where was he, Croatia and a couple other places, uh, Tuesday? He yeah. was over there. And he said, like, virtually every other person wanted to be part of the Stasi, where you had a file, and if something did, somebody did something wrong, they could count on you to tell on somebody. I mean, are we going the same way here? I mean, it, it seems like it's easy to get people to do that pretty much anywhere. I don't know why, but hmm. uh, it's not like it happened once in our in our or I'd say let's put the not in our life but in, but in our, our parents' lifetime it's happened like four or five times Miles just one of them right. I mean well, it, it's clearly I mean you gotta you know maybe it's a short distance from a whistleblower to a spy yeah <laughs> but I, I firmly believe in, in whistleblower protection when you got something going on that there's, there's a kind of unwritten code you, you can't take this out of this building what, what happened here happened, it stays here and it's clear if what's happening there is bad, somebody should be talking about it. 
but you've got a population that's been energized to see the person next door as the enemy, which is exactly what's happening yeah. now. You have Biden and his the horrible speech he gave in Philadelphia, you know, telling half the country that they're semi-fascists. Well, you know, this is how, how people like, you know, any dictator gets into power by saying, yeah, you know, that's, you're yeah. my friends, those people across the street from you, this is like Hillary Clinton's deplorable. Yeah, I don't, I don't, gives a blankety-blank about them. They're the problem. I don't, once you see the person as a problem, they're the enemy. So. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get this, Jim. I mean, we obviously were raised differently. When I uh, ran from the outside board at the CBOE, another fellow, Merrill Ferguson, and I did. Nobody had ever done that before. So we had we won uh, from the non-nominated side. And, you know, I got the vote totals, and actually we did pretty well. It was like I don't know what it was like seven fifty to like two fifty or something. The thought never crossed my mind is the who are these two fifty and how do I go get them? <laughs> it never. I just. I'm in. Some people are going to vote for you, some against you. But once you're in there, you're a board member for everybody. I mean, how do, I don't this whole idea that the first thing I'm going to do is is and maybe that's maybe that's the game. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I like to drive things down. Like Jesse Jackson's kid who ran against uh, Karen, and he won. Well, he gets he gets a million dollars allegedly from a crypto place. Now, now he's not going. <laughs> he didn't have to pay a fine like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I mean, I just, I don't get it. Uh, but maybe he ran it on her. Yeah, maybe he ran it on her. So, okay, now what, what, what exactly does he owe of our money to crypto? Or is he going to be a Bill Clinton and said, thanks for the dough and never look at the guy again? I mean, Clinton was, was pretty good at that. I don't know if regular people could be. If somebody gave me a million bucks, I'd be sitting there going, all right, now what, what do I have to do for this guy? It's not free. You know, or no such thing as a free lunch, you know, Milton Friedman. Uh you know, what do you owe these people? I, I mean, if, I, I can't even explain the political system down to that level. Now, look what's happening. It's not just here. W- what did this this lady in in in, uh, in UK? Who the hell put her in office? That the first thing she does is want to drop taxes on a small group of people. But with all the other stuff going on, all the other crap going on, that 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 all of a sudden is number one on her agenda. How could it even get there? Or the lady here in Arizona. How did she get a million bucks out of these people for one day? She got to, to do the vote where you, they're gonna they they uh, they couldn't get rid of the carried interest. How did those people manage to find her, give her a million bucks, and have her not be recalled in an election the next day when people found out about it? Nobody cares, yeah. They should say you got a million dollars for somebody and you and you just did that. The people from Arizona, I don't. I don't, I don't care if that person was Democrat, Republican. It could be my brother. I don't want him in office if that happened. And yet nobody seems how, to care. how far back this, this grooming process begins. And I think it, it, it involves people who are, you know, identifying people who are compromisable. You know? And I would say people like Liz Truss and Sinema in Arizona and Eric Swalwell in California and an endless list of politicians have been identified as compromisable. They have no ethics of their own. They will do whatever they're paid to say and do. And those are the people that are highly useful to, you know, the, the lobbying wing of any business. And their sole purpose once they get into office is to do exactly what, you know, that manufacturer well, demand that they do. And if they don't do it, they're dead. They're toast. That's why I argue with uh, everybody. Matter of fact, I was doing this there, too. Arguing with uh, people regarding the term limit. If we just got rid of term limits. No, mm-hmm. you, you, you got nobody should want. Nobody should ever want to do this. But you got to think like a trader. Okay, a trader would say, okay, if I can't give money to that guy to buy him off because he's out of office, here's my money, who do I give it to next? 
you're, you're, there's going to be a workaround. All it means is that they're going to start paying people off lower down the chain. This, this lady in Arizona, she has nothing to do with term limits for getting this money, right? Right. She's a, what, she a freshman? She's a freshman senator, right? Yeah. So, they, I mean, they'll end up starting but to pay but people. But you can make these people see themselves as, you know, the beginning of, of an empire of their own, and they buy into it. This is how, how completely talentless people end up being powerful. Look, look at Mitch McConnell. Yeah. For, you know, for starters, look at Nancy Pelosi for starters. Oh, these, these people could barely run a Wendy's if you gave them all the money in the world to do it right. Um, but they, they have tremendous power, and they, you know, they have no sign of giving any of it up. But it's because they've been completely bought off, in my book. Well, well, I don't, explain, explain what do we, we have in common with those people? Oh, we, got, we got like a minute. Morals and ethics. I'm going to cling to it, even though they didn't see put any in stock in them at all. Well, how does how does a lady? Real quick question: you only thirty. How does a lady in Arizona not look in the mirror? What, what, what do they see? If I was, I, I really wish I could be one of these people. I, I, I could look in the mirror and see like Arnold or something instead of me. <laughs> I mean, or or somebody who looks like you know a, a young Kirk Douglas instead of my body. I mean, what is well, she? It's, how it's, the same, it's the same kind of culture that you know, Eric Swalwell gets caught sleeping with a Chinese spy, and he's still on the intelligence committee in the House. Go figure. He's there. He was there with that spy for a reason, and he's on the intelligence committee for a reason. And I really don't want to be on the air saying what I really think is going on. Well, I think he was. I think he was in bed with her for a reason. I hope it was the real reason. <laughs> anyway, oh, he, but, he was there because you know they had, they had plans for him. He ran for president. Remember? I mean, yeah. talk about nerve. Mm. That would be five foot spot. But how, how does this lady not look in the mirror and say the whole country now knows I'm for sale? How can I do my job? She, she has no thought like that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the first thing that I would think of myself: what, what, How did I? Just, how did I just take this money and do this for these people and, and tell people that I'm honest? I, I got to get out of here. I, I would have to resign. Even if you thought you thought your own soul wasn't in danger, you think, "How can I yeah. look at people again? What will they think of me?" They don't care what people think of them. No, they're, they're they only care about what certain people think of them. Mm. Anyway, Jan, thanks much. SP futures up twenty-two. Are you think we're gonna we're gonna finish up today or not? Are you gonna take that bet? Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying far away. <laughs> oh God! We'll be right back. Stack, uh, Stacks and Jacks, Audrey Johnson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, this is Audrey Johnson at HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. Sellers, if you're wondering if it's the right time to sell your home, call me and I will be happy to provide you with a free market analysis and a personalized sales program for your property. I will help you get the right information to maximize your returns in this economy. Buyers, it is the time to look for the home of your dreams. What you couldn't afford two years ago is available now. Don't get caught in the rent price spiral that's sure to come. Plus, if you buy or sell a home from me at HomeSource Realty, you will get a free 40-inch flat screen TV at your closing. Call me at 708-349-3456 or email me at Johnson at Realtor.com for more information and details on this offer. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm going to play Jacks. After my mom had burn on the board, SP Futures now 30, 31. Uh, we're down 25 last night, I think, at one point, or 22, somewhere in there. So it's a big turnaround. NASDAQ Futures up 58. I think we need it. Down up 218. Over in Europe, we've got uh, the uh, DAX. We're still down a little bit, down 28.4.2%. Sorry. Puts you down 31. That's 0.4%. Kick around down 9.1%. Over in Asia, we've got Nikkei was up 278. That's a full percent. Shanghai down 16.5%, but again, this relentless drive drive the Hang Seng to zero, down another 143.8%. Lowest level in 11 years in the Hang Seng. That's, that's like a long time. Uh, Friday, again, horrible Friday. Dow was down 500, S&P down 54, NASDAQ down 161. Uh, a horrible end to a horrible week. We had one decent day last week, and the rest of them, I think, were all down. Uh, bonds, up 10 basis points now. Uh, down 10 basis points, 3.70, down, not up. A bund down 10 base points, 2.004, but still hanging above 2%. Japan unchanged, like it always is, at 0.25%. Oil, and here's a big move of the day, up almost 4 bucks, 5% to 83.45, Brent up 3.75, that's 4% up to 88.89. Natural gas over down 24%, 6.52, continuing its wild ride back and forth from nine, the low 9s back down to 6.52. Arbob up 9 cents, 2.46. Still does not explain the 411 in the suburbs and like the five hours in the city and gas here. Uh, gold up 530, 1677, trying to make it back to 1700, but slowly. Silver, however, this is a big move today in silver. Up 50 cents, 263. The silver remains very volatile when in a small range. Very strange market there. Copper down 2 cents, 338. We've got Bitcoin now only down 62 bucks, 19219. It was pretty volatile this weekend. Uh, US dollar. The euro dollar is down a little bit, so the dollar is up against the euro dollar is small. 
So it's uh, 0.97 euro to the dollar, and a British pound is worth a dollar twelve of one of our dollars. So way above the dollar of four it traded a week ago yesterday, but still nowhere near the 130 or whatever bid's been for a while. Hmm. Uh, what do you got for us, Trevor Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 on Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Uh, Chicago traffic looking pretty average this morning, though keep in mind some congestion on the Eden starting at Tui Avenue until the merge onto I-94, the Kennedy. Weather in Chicago, clear skies to remain for the rest of the day, though don't be fooled by that beautiful sky, it's still a little chilly out there. Currently at 47 degrees right now. As for the rest of the day, expect a high of 69 and a low of 46. In Phoenix though, partly cloudy, currently 76 degrees, a high of 97 and a low of 73. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs beat Cincinnati Reds 8-1. Both teams back again for a rematch tonight at 5.40 p.m. The White Sox won against San Diego Padres 2-1. Tonight's Sox play Twins at home. Game starts at 7-10. Yesterday, there was Sunday football in the NFL. Packers beat Patriots 27-24. Cardinals won against the Panthers. Final score was 26-16. And the Bears, of course, lost to New York Giants 20-12. This marks the second loss this season for the Bears. They currently stand at two losses to two wins. All for now, Chief. Back to you. They give you the worst two and two team in the history of football. Nah. <laughs> you take what you can get. They, oh, absolutely. You take what you can get. And uh, they won the monsoon game. They didn't have to, but they won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our man uh, uh, Colin was. Uh, he's two and two this week, from what I what I think. But I will I will review that tomorrow. I'll move that when Maddie's here. But mm-hmm. he did better last week. He was one and three. But his, his teams are all close. Odd, are you with us? Good morning. I am. How are you? I'm fine. As Matt said, it is a beautiful day, but a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fine for me. Of course, that will be warm in about 60 days. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it'll be, <laughs> uh, enjoy it while you can. What uh, We've been talking about, uh, well, we weren't talking so much about housing prices, but I uh, have you been able to get a read uh, on just, I mean, uh, Nancy was on last week and we talked about it a little bit, just, just what, not, I mean, you know, we had three percent rates for a while, and we've had six percent rates during our lifetime. And six uh, percent was considered never really bad, but the, the move from three to six in a six-month period is something I don't think any of us ever. I mean, I, I had that happen to me with a bridge loan, but I don't, it's never happened on mortgages before. I, mean, I guess it probably did during the early '80s, but it seems really we never were down at three back in those days, and I. And, um, how how frozen are people that have just bought a house in the last? What I'm trying to talk about, I'm trying to get put together here is you. Odd, you talk all the time about how how people want move-in condition houses. I mean, it's not in a, you know it's some some combination of maybe people don't know how to fix, don't want to fix, might be lazy, or they just are putting everything they they are into the mortgage itself, so they really don't have money left to remodel. And Nancy kind of confirmed that by saying. A real lot of people. I mean, they're they're in the house, not with their necessarily their last dime, but they're they're right on the edge. They're a young couple buying a place, and that, everybody did that. You know, it's not like people don't do those sorts of things, and they they're kind of in there for their. So they want everything. The money is is in the mortgage itself. And now all of a sudden, for somebody to buy the place, assuming the other person doesn't have cash, because a lot of people are selling another place and might have cash, but now all of a sudden their their monthly nut is really twice as high as it was nine months ago. I mean, what what is what does your world think about that? I mean, I, a lot of people maybe don't, haven't put the numbers together yet, but that's pretty pretty something. Well, you know, the, the problem is, 
as you know, you had said, eight times three percent. Well, that was unsustainable for the world in general, uh, and people got spoiled. But unfortunately, the generation of housing buyers coming in now accepted that as the norm, and it was not the norm. Um, so, like anything else, you've got uh, sticker shock on interest price. But to your point, eight uh, percent is actually kind of the uh, historical norm. Yeah. Of course, you know when the, when the house is a hundred and not six hundred, it's a difference. But people also made a lot less money then, and you had to put twenty percent down. So it, it all is what you're used to looking at. But as I told many of my clients who were looking six, eight months a year ago, buy something, buy anything. This is free money, and it's not going to come around again. Probably in uh, you know their their lifetime or maybe at least their home buying lifetime. So the people that got into that or refinanced were extremely smart to get into that cheap money. Uh, but that's just, it is what it is. And like anything else, it would have been more acceptable if it happened over a slower period of time. But the reality is if you want a house, this is the, this is the cost of entry now. So you, if you want a house, you're going to have to do that because rent is astronomical. Uh, it is still, in many cases, cheaper for people to buy a house than it is to rent one. Uh, the prices for, for renting uh, a two-bedroom condo are just off the charts, way more than it does cost to buy one uh, in many, many areas. So it is... It, it, you know what, you're just going to have trouble if, you, if you're going to want to buy something, and people will. Households are going to be formed. Households are going to end. You're going to buy a house. And you're going to be a little less picky about getting something perfect. It might be just a little dated, but functional. I've seen people look at that more in the last 60 days. I have some prices come down. I guess they have. I've seen... I would say you've seen a, a price break of maybe 12%, maybe in the last few months on some homes. But if it's a beautiful home, to your point, a lot of them are still going over this price because because of what's happened now, an inadvertent uh, result of this, is there's less inventory. Because if you have a 3%, 4% mortgage, even now a 5%, you're looking like a genius. Why are you going to sell that home and get yourself into something for six or seven? Actually, I spoke to Nancy and last week on Friday, mortgages hit 7% on some cases. So that was with good credit. So unfortunately, it just is what it is, but the inadvertent result of this is it is so hard to find a house right now. The inventory is tightest I've seen it. So there is simply not a, a supply of good homes. I was out with a client that unfortunately took too long to pick out a house in the last six months. And we looked at several on Saturday. They didn't love them, but they're actually considering one because they need a place to live. And they're not going to get the house they could have gotten six months ago, but you still need a place to call home. Well, I just, uh, I think that, you know, unfortunately, in our lifetimes, you know, or my business lifetime, starting from the seventies, I, I don't, I don't think, right or wrong, 
that the quote the government or the Fed should be making so many big winners and losers in the housing market when they're just regular people trying to trying to own a place to friggin' live it. I oh, mean, absolutely not. The Fed has destroyed the economy, absolutely destroyed it right now because not only they toppled the housing market and the mortgage market, um, but now they're toppling the uh, repair market, the contractor market, the builder market, the trade. So by the Fed going crazy, I don't agree with them at all, uh, is that they're going to create, create a recession. So between those throw that in and the crazy oil policies of our government, and well, now you've got a recession and well, heading towards the depression if they don't turn this boat around. But some, some people, I mean, there's always losers who we always talk about. But there's also, when these policies happen this way, and I used to, well, now that I'm, I'm not a kid anymore, I, used, I always used to get, you know, 20 years ago, I used to get pissed with me. The old, the old farts would say, you know, when I did this, yeah, when they came out of school, they bought a house for whatever, and, and 15 years later, the price, the price doubled. And there were people all along the way that we knew bought a house when they came out of school, and <laughs> two and a half years, the price was down 30%. Just a matter of timing. It, was not, it wasn't like you were a genius or not. But, I, I mean, there's people who have bought, I mean, you, you, well, you know these people more than I do, but we, we know somebody, a good friend of ours, who bought a home, what was it, like 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and he, and he did what we, you and I would never have recommended, he got a uh, adjustable rate mortgage. Well, up until the last five months, the dude's been like two and a half percent. Was why his housing price right. doubled. And any anybody who bought a home, I'm going to say, 10, 15 years ago at a at a five or six percent rate, at, at the at the price reflective of that rate, you know, you know, say they bought a place for you know 180 or something. All of a sudden, three years later. They're refinancing it four, then they're refinancing it at three, so their mortgage is, is half what they signed up for. And oh, by the way, the house is doubled in price. I mean, talk about talk about falling into it. I mean, right? And now, well, well, I mean, time, time is everything in life, and sometimes you're you're just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And you know, and again, the converse is true from the 08 recession, where if you bought then until now, until the last couple of years. You probably finally made money on your house, but you were on an upside down house or an equal value house for a long time. So, oh yeah, um, in 2006. Unfortunately, yeah. most people are buying a house that is an investment, not solely as an investment, but as a place to live. And you're a victim of timing circumstances and uh, other people's stupid decisions. Well, if you bought a house in 2006, you essentially paid the top, the then top, but still, you you were able to refinance. So it ended up being Correct. you ended up being paying per month a lot less than you bargained for. So it actually worked out for you, even though the price didn't move until lately. Or when I say oh, lately, that, I was yeah. one of those people. I uh, bought my house, I think, in '08, but I effectively refinanced down more than more than half on my interest rate over the years. Yeah. So you, plus, there's there's people that. Uh, Bought places in '08, even though they quote paid the top. If they just if they had another house before, and and they you know and they got the top, they the the, the trade wasn't horrible. It was it was the you know no you were still you were still good. But yeah. this rapid rise is just and I don't you know I don't see who they're going to help. I don't see 
I don't get it. I think the fantasy is uh, very short-sighted on this. I don't care uh, how many financial degrees everybody's cart around here. They're not living in the real world. Well, anytime you change anything that rapidly, it's a problem. There's no question about that. Well, the problem is it's not even a, uh, it, it, this is going to be a problem for a while. And then if, if you throw inflation on top of this, and uh, I don't see where all they've done is made it worse. I think there could have been a lot better ways to do this. Well, I, the, the, only, the only way better to do it would have been to not what they, do what they did before. I mean, they're, they're talking about with all, the, with all the talking all day long, right? I mean, I mean, unfortunately, you don't have to listen to all it like I do. But all the talk, there, there's been 90 bazillion words spoken about the Fed and how, how strict they've been and what they're doing. And the fact is, the rates are 3%. That's not high. That, that, that's, that, that could be considered low middle. I mean, three, I would consider 35 where they'll probably be next month, uh, is, is equilibrium rate. It's not, the, the only problem with 35 is that it used to be 1 or 0, right? But I mean, so anything, any changes, people will adjust because they're going to need to buy. Uh, they will possibly buy less house. Prices will come down yeah. probably a little bit. I don't think, you're not going to see a crash in the market, I don't believe, unless it's become so prolonged that we're all in a uh, depression, not a recession. And uh, that'll be a whole different ballgame. But if the, if, the, if the country could manage to survive our leadership, then we will probably at least go back to the new, this will become the new normal. Well, I want to know whether we're going to sell some, some passbook saving rates go up for people. That well, would be well, the, 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 the bank passes along. Well, you know, you know as a, uh, as a uh, still a person at PTI, we're going every every week to the auction. The treasury rates are, we're getting, we're getting almost 4% for six-month treasuries, and what are people getting in the bank, half of 1%? What is that all about? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's, that's what always amazes me is the credit card rates at the bank have have, you know, are, have gone up again. Many of us, somebody said and noticed that their rates have gone up, but I don't see a passbook for the average person uh, reflecting any benefit at all here. At least before when uh, people were getting at like 3 4 5% on their passbook rate, and I can remember when interest rates were sky high that people were getting you do realize that every, six to eight percent maybe you do realize that everybody thinks you're 35 years old and as soon as you mentioned passbook you blew it <laughs> <laughs> that's okay I'm good with that but you know when you talked about the change well I mean how talking about ages you know when I came down to the trading floor and, and uh, you know people talked about the eight, 1978 when IBM went way up and everybody got clobbered on the calls, that it used to be, you know, buy the, sell the 280s and buy the Mercedes. And, but it was so long ago, you know, and I started in 80. When you're that age, you, you can't, uh, I won't even say somebody like Matt Byrne because he's younger, younger, but it's, it's hard to impress. It's a baby. Yeah, it's hard to impress even out, of me, even out of Matty Weber who's been with us forever. Up until three months ago, he said to me, Chief, I've, I've never seen rates higher than this. In my business lifetime, <laughs> well, I mean, why, why do you keep saying that like six percent mortgage is normal? I've never seen a six percent mortgage. Well, no, you and I know it is normal because because if people are actually pay, getting paid three percent on their money like they should be, or three and a quarter, that that bank if they charge six percent, that's a fair spread. 
You know, and you got to pay for it pays for all the the people and the buildings and all the other stuff, right? Well, but but right. but yeah, three percent is not sustainable because how does somebody give you? How do you pay somebody for the money at three percent? There's nothing to give them. It's and why should somebody uh, give you money forever for nothing? Like the banks still think people are. What are these rates going to get? The mortgages will be at eight percent, and the and the Fed's going to be at four and a half, and the banks are still going to be at zero. How does that work? By the way, you got a lot of the uh, smaller banks around you. Are any of those guys ponying up? You see any? What? I'm sorry. Oh, getting, out. oh you got a sm- you got a bunch of the smaller banks around you. I mean, there's are some down here. I mean, I I guess I could check my buddies over at Lakeside. Are, are the small banks starting to pay up a little bit or not? They can't be paying still zero. I don't know. That's an answer she might know. Um, I see things creep up a half percent, maybe. But, um, you know, again, if you're not paying attention, like you said, and moving your monies around into uh, treasuries or something, you're just you're just losing out. Well, I got a real, a real stupid question. Since the, nobody's had any, quote, savings, let alone a passbook at a bank forever, do people even have savings accounts anymore? Because you got you were getting nothing from nothing for so long. Why even have a savings account? Just put it on your checking account. I mean, is anybody? I mean, if I walked into Lakeside, well, I, think I, I think people do just to segregate uh, you know, a way to move it out. A lot of people I think are so suspicious of uh, fraud that they some people. I know a lot of people. I don't keep a lot in my business account because I don't trust anybody. So. <laughs> Uh, I think you, you tend to put things where you think it'll be safe, even if you're not getting a huge amount of money. If you need your money short term, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, you're not going to have it. You might want to something better than nothing, even if it's almost nothing, I guess. Well, I mean, if you, if you put your money in a bank and inflation's 8%, you just lost 8% at the end of the year, and that, and that sucks big time. I mean, that's... Well, that's true. So what... If you're going you're gonna, gonna to make, what, I don't know, three... So you're losing five. Yeah. You know, but a lot of again, a lot of people, you know, just don't think about it, and so they simple uh, education on what to do with cash laying around. A lot of people are so spooked or so worried that they just don't. They get caught up in the daily routine of life and forget about doing simple things like that. Well, Art, if you if you go and sell one of the higher end homes, I mean, that you're not selling. It'd be nice if you sold like a five million dollar home, but. The, the normal the higher end range in Orland is what, four fifty five somewhere in there. In the, uh, probably, uh, probably about four four to seven range. So, but how many people are going to plunk down for a five fifty house and not have something to sell? They they're, they're carrying with them, you know, to a certain extent, they're trading homes, right? Most of the time. Well, you know what? It has changed dramatically in the last. A uh, couple of years really? is that a starter home in the area here, three fifty to four fifty, um, easily five to six for many people. I would say, I honestly, four to five fifty. I has been a lot of first time buyer homes in the area. And you're selling those to essentially two income. Two-income yeah, couples. A lot of times, two-income or people who have young people who have their own businesses. Um, you see a lot of that, and people who are in um, tech or med fields uh, that are making uh, a good buck. But a lot of times, it's you know, dual income, which has been that way for what since the eighties for yeah. sure. People had to go out and work. So you're talking after, about after the seventies recession, almost everybody uh, started going to work. 
So we're talking about a young couple that, that actually has two incomes and essentially saves for a house like people used to, and they actually have the seventy grand to plug down. Or yeah, you could you could put five percent down on a conventional loan and buy your house. Really? No, but then they hit you up with the mortgage insurance and everything, right? They do have PMI, but you know a lot of people made out on that deal several years ago because you could get rid of PMI if you uh, pay the house down, or if the house runs up at a value and appraises out, you can remove that PMI. Right. So. Heads up for those of you out there that own your house for three or four years and have PMI, check the value of that. You mm. might be able to get rid of it and save yourself some money every month. Mm. What is, what's, your, what's your feel on the, uh, I was talking earlier, we only got a few minutes here, what's your feel on the mess in Florida? I mean, uh, those people just screwed or what? Poor people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Horrible. Mm. Horrible. Uh, several of my friends have uh, lost their homes, and actually one of uh, my very good clients, four months ago, decided to move from Tampa back to Chicago to be close to family. And they literally bought a place up here. They moved up here in August and literally sold their house, did well, got settled up here, and just missed it. So I'm thankful that they were okay, but uh, some of my friends, the house is just gone. And, you know, it's going to be a, a huge rebuilding. But I guess, like any disaster, as awful as it is for everybody there and how life-changing it's going to be, like any catastrophe, there's also money to be made. So yeah. think of all the people that are selling plywood, uh, cleanup supplies, garbage bags, uh, construction companies, highways. Highways are gone. Yeah. You're going to be literally, you're going to, they're going to rebuild it. So it's also going to be a, an opportunity for many people as awful. There's always an opportunity of disaster as terrible as that sounds. I just, I, I can't believe it. Yesterday, uh, you know, a few of the people that I, I had dinner with, my brothers had places down there, and actually they were talking to a lady who was down there. And I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I don't know, I'm not saying how I, I don't have a place, so I don't know. The, but if, it's, it's stunning to me how many people didn't even move their cars, let alone their boats. They just never went down there. They said it's, you know, a week ago you knew it was coming. They never just said, okay, well, whatever happens, happens. We'll see if it hits. And, you know, they're, they're, the cars are in somebody else's well, it, front yard. You know, it's, it's different. We've been raised with tornadoes. Yeah. And while they're horribly destructive, the odds of us all getting hit by one are low. So we tend to be the same way. When the tornado siren goes off, how many people go to the basement? They're like, oh, it's not going to hit here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing down there. And a lot of people ride them out, think they're fine, or evacuate, and are lucky, and don't get damaged. But when you get a storm like this, and if you have two cars and you're evacuating, you're going to take the family together. You're not going to yeah. split up. And if it's, you know, where are you going to put a big boat all of a sudden when everybody's evacuating too and time is guessing? You're going to take the kids and dogs and cats and leave the house and leave this, call it a deal. I'll tell you what, if you want to... Any slightly dented sailboats got to be on sale at a pretty easy lit down there. Yeah, what are you going to, you know, there's sometimes it's just impossible because yeah. where are you going to go when everybody's going at the same time? Well, that was Carl's point on Friday. He said even if you have all the best hurricane stuff in your place, you're not going to be protected from the guy's roof from next door landing on your place. I mean, mm. it's a, uh, everybody's kind of wrecks everybody. There's yeah. some pictures of this poor lady. She's got like three sailboats in her lawn leaning up against her house. 
<laughs> what are you Can't doing? Fight Mother Nature. No. People think uh, Free we think we run the world, and we don't. I <laughs> Mother Nature gets mad enough at you. You really uh, have the recourse. I would say if anybody knew how to sail, we get on and pick up one of these boats, patch it up, and throw it in the water. Yeah. Just saying. I, I don't I don't like to say I just stick to my stomach. Oh God! No I say if it's so in your I'm, yard, I'm it's, be your, out it's your boat. Well, Matt wants to claim it. If it's in his yard, it's, it's his your boat. yard. It's your boat. There's, there's another thought. God. Take it home with you. SP that. Futures up 34. <laughs> SP Futures up 7. And that thought. <laughs> Stacks and Jacks engineers uh, recommend stealing everybody else's boat. You know what? I'm sure they'll be. They'll hey, they'll shoot team. looters down there, Matt. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Take them down there. Yeah. Be back we shoot. That's the new thing down there. So I suggest that you. We'll get you a boat another way. Oh, Sounds God. Good. <laughs> back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Time to time, everyone goes bust. You'll be back in the game before you know it.